0: Two clans formed up for battle eyeing each other across the open ground near Strathpeffer in northern Scotland. One force was composed of invaders from the isles and western seaboard of Scotland. Their leader Alistair Macdonald of Loch Alsh looked across the field at the force that would defy his clan's claim to the earldom of Ross. In their wake was destruction and death. In front of them was clan Cognac or the Mackenzie's and those clans loyal to them. At their head was Koenig Valar, or Kenneth of the Battles. He studied the terrain between his forces and those from the Isles. Their force was larger than his, but a wise use of the land could minimize the advantage of numbers. Surrounding Kenneth was a hand-picked group of men that formed his elite bodyguard from a clan that had earned the nickname Mackenzie's Shirt of Mail, the Clan Macrae. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Scottish Clans Podcast. I'm Clint. Perhaps you have ancestry that ties you to the Scottish Clans, or maybe you've watched Braveheart, Outlaw King, or Outlander and it piqued your interest. If you want to learn more about the leading kindreds of Scotland and answer such questions as What was a clan? How did clans function? Who was a member of a clan? How did clans begin? Do my ancestors connect to a clan? What are some cool stories from the history of the clans? If you have any of these questions, then this is the podcast for you. Before we get going with more information about the McCrays, I'd like to give a quick shout out to my sponsor, USA Kilts. If you are in the market for a kilt or anything else that you'd like to express your pride and your connection to Scotland, whatever that connection is, go to usakilts.com. They have kilts. Of course, the very high-quality kilts. I have two of them. I've loved them, but they also have a lot of other things that you can wear or display to express your pride in that connection to Scotland. Or if you're in the mood for some great content on anything concerning kilts or general Scottish history and culture, you can go over to USA Kilts and Celtic Traditions on YouTube. All right. Well, today, like I said, we're going to talk about the Clan Macrae. And we're going to get back to that battle that I started describing there. But before we do that, let me tell you what sources I'm drawing from. The primary source that, I draw, that I'm drawing... No, am not a primary source. That's a technical term. The main source that I'm drawing from is History of Clan Macrae with Genealogies by the Reverend Alexander Macrae that was published in 1910. And I'll include a link to that in the show notes. It's uh, where you can go to download a free PDF for that. I also... Ha, um, drew some of my information and my knowledge about the clan McCrae from electricscotland.com with the entry they have there for the McRae's and their clan history. And I'll also include that in the show notes, a link to that page. All right, well... As I'm giving my... Sh- I got a, a few shout-outs to make here as we get going on the Clan McCrae. One, I got a shout-out for Robert Duvall, who played my favorite Western character in any Western movie. And, for that matter, one of my favorite characters I've ever seen in any movie, and that is... You guessed it, Augustus McRae, Texas Ranger from the movie Lonesome Dove. Give a shout-out to Robert Duvall for doing such a good job with that. And also a little shout-out shout out to uh, Tommy Lee Jones and his character Woodrow Call, because I don't think Augustus McRae, or Gus, as he was known, would have been quite the same without a Woodrow. But if, you've, if you know, you know. Another shout out that I'd like to give is to Adam McCullough. This is actually somebody that I have corresponded with. Adam was so kind as to reach out to my email, thescottishclans at gmail.com, and he sent me some information on the McCullough clan from southwest Scotland, from Galloway. I know there's some of you out there who are just cringing that I referred to a clan that's not in the Highlands, but I did it and I'm not apologizing for it. Anyway, he sent me some information, and so that's what I recommend. Everybody, if you would like me to do an episode that relates to or is about a clan that you have a connection with or an interest in, that's a great way to do it is to hook me up with sources. I I do have access more than now than when I started the podcast, and I was living a lot more remotely. I have access to some other sources, but... If, uh, like Adam did, you want me to do something on your clan that you feel a connection to, go ahead and send me over some information on it or give me a link or reach out. I also like to shout out Reginald Chambers, who is, let me make sure I get this right, he is the president of the Clan Fleming Society the Clan Fleming Scottish Society. He reached out to me recently and complimented my work on those clans of Scotland that come from a Flemish background, and I really appreciated that. Mr. Chambers, thank you for reaching out. I always think it's cool to interact with people who have these different positions and connections all over. Um, I just think that's one of the coolest things about since starting this is just getting getting to interact with you all. So for anybody who's ever reached out to me, um, I appreciate it. I know there's a, a few of you still um, in Facebook Messenger that have reached out, and I I need to be better at that. The email is the best way to get a hold of me, thescottishclans at gmail.com, but... The, uh, the messenger, I am aware of some people in there that I need to respond to, so thank you for doing that. Well, before, uh, or without uh, taking any more of your time as you're like, well, okay, when are we going to start talking about the McCrays? Because that's why you clicked on this and chose to play this episode. Let me give you a little background on who the McCrays were and what was cool about them, and then we'll get back to the Battle of Park, or Blarnaparka. The Clan Macrae, they came from, is believed they came from a, a common ancestor as the Mackenzie's. No, I'm not talking about Colin Fitzgerald. Most scholars, to include Ernest MacKoenig, I think I got close to the pronunciation of his name. He's a, he's a Scottish scholar. And he and other scholars, I have never seen any of them that actually hold to the Colin Fitzgerald origin myth. But... This common ancestor, whoever it was, is believed to have both um, begat the clan Macrae and the clan Mackenzie, amongst maybe some others that you're familiar with. So from the earliest accounts, the Macraes were connected to the Mackenzies, and through this connection we can see an important aspect of the the way major clans and smaller clans cooperated with each other. You see, when a major clan obtained possession of land— that they didn't have a strong kin base in, there were a couple different routes they could take to fix this. But if they couldn't fix this, their hold on that area would be tenuous at best. And and we could give examples of that. But I want to maybe talk about a couple of the ways they could fix where a a Scottish clan chief or other no person of nobility or part of the aristocracy obtains land in a certain area and he doesn't have any connections kin in the kin-based society to that area. One way he could fix that is that he could have a number of his clan move into that area and as they occupy that area that that he has legal title to, then now he has actual influence and control in that area by moving his kindred in there. This is how the Grants established themselves in Glen Morriston. Another way that a clan chief, a upon obtaining lands that he doesn't have a kin base in could fix that is that they could ally themselves through kindreds who are already there. One example of this, well, one example of a way this can be done by allying yourself is through the bond, a bond of man rent. And I did do a whole episode on this. It's an actual legal procedure. And sometimes it was done between clans who do have a connection between like the parent, uh, what would you call it, the trunk of the tree and a branch that they're actually a branch of a major clan and and the head of that branch would go into a bond of man rent with the main I, an example of this would be like the Earl of Argyle for the Campbell's and the Campbell's of Cotter or the Campbell's of Glenorchy they might enter into a bond of man rent I'm just using that as an example um, now what the mckenzies did with kintail which is where the mcraes would be become a very dominant kindred there is that when the mckenzies obtained the title or the control over that and not having a kin base there the mcraes helped them with that so this is kind of a hybrid of those two mess um, those two methods where they have a connection to the mcraes who are a client kindred of theirs and like i said probably related it wasn't actually moving Mackenzies into that area, although I'm not saying no McKenzie's moved, but it was the McRae's who were instrumental as they moved into Kintail and became established there, and that was the mechanism through which the McKenzie's could operate and exercise influence and control in Kintail. It was through the, the McRae's largely. Now, I'm not saying exclusively the McRae's, uh, there are some other clans, some of which also claim to have a genealogical connection to the Mackenzie's. But I want to keep this dialed in and about the McRae's specifically. Now, the McRae's are also they are known as Macra, like Macrae, Macrae. And I, you can also see the an Irish version of that, not necessarily related to the Scottish ones, but you can see where the name Macrae comes. So you got Tim Macrae, etymologically linguistically his his last name would have a similar root as the McCrays. but the McCrays, they weren't just fighters in the McKenzie conflicts remember the beginning i said they became they earned the nickname of becoming the the McKenzie's shirt of mail which is a really cool nickname as nicknames go because wherever the, the McKenzie the chief of the McKenzie's, in, in whenever he was getting into a fight with somebody, there were the McRae's. And in the history of the Clan McRae, uh, the source I mentioned earlier, it says that they actually made up his elite bodyguard. I don't know where he's pulling that from, but it does seem to fit in well, even better when we talk about that nickname of the shirt of mail. The shirt is worn close to the skin. And so that would make a lot of sense to me if you had the actual chief of the McKenzie's And he has this elite bodyguard around him of Macrae's. I I almost think on a grander scale of the Varangian guard for the Byzantine emperor. On a smaller scale, that's what the Macrae's might have been for the Mackenzie's. And we can actually see the closeness of this connection in the burial practices of the chiefs of Mackenzie. The Macrae's were the hereditary pallbearers, basically, it was McCrae's that had the distinct honor of burying the body of the chief of the McKenzie's to its burial ground. And that lasted clear up until the 1860s is when they performed that function for the last time. So fairly recently when you consider how long they may have been doing that. But the McKenzie's just weren't fighters in McKenzie, con- the Mac- the Macraes, I should say, were not just fighters in McKenzie conflicts they filled many civil and ecclesiastical roles in kintail not the least of which was the as a constable of ellandonan castle which as you could argue is the most photographed castle in scotland i don't have numbers to back that up but if you do a google image search if you ever have done a google image search of castles in scotland you have seen Donan castle so they were they they helped by holding that castle for the Mackenzies. Now, they weren't the only ones who fulfilled that role. We we also see them rotating that position out with other clans like the Murchison's and the McLennan's. So, ecclesiastical, civil, military, they really earned their place in the Mackenzie world, and you could argue, as did Reverend McCray in that History of the Clan McCray, that that they were instrumental in the McKenzies becoming who they became which was a very powerful clan now i would like to turn back to the battle of park or Blara Naparka. now before i do that i do want to give a little bit more of a, a shout out to my sponsor usa kilts they produce top notch quality uh, i just yesterday i went for a hike in my kilt had a great time. I argued that kilts are a superior hiking garment. So I went for a hike in my kilt. I have that I was in my uh, my casual kilt. I have a I have a more a nicer five yard wool kilt for other kinds of occasions. But I love it. Very good quality products. Very good customer service. Free shipping in the U.S. Guys, reach out. Go to USAKilts.com if you got any desire to get anything like a kilt or anything else that ties you to this cool heritage and culture that we always are learning about on this show. Another thing you can do is go to their YouTube channel, USA Kilts and Celtic Traditions. If you want some awesome content on kilts, culture, history, you name it. They they answer a lot of listener questions, they do a great job. They're very passionate about what they do, and that passion comes through in their content on YouTube and in their products. And I can speak firsthand to that. Uh, Another thing I want to mention right before we get back to the Battle of Barna Park. If you if you have if you see this podcast, as providing any value for you. And you'd like to contribute to the cause. It does take time. It does take resources. It takes several subscriptions that cost money. And if you want to give back, you can go to scottish-clans.com forward slash team. Now in the past, I'm doing something, I'm going to try something a little bit different. In the past, I have a link to my Patreon account and you can go to that and you can make reoccurring donations. You can make one-time donations. You can make uh just do something as simple as buying me the a drink like the, the same cost of a drink that you could buy me or as much as a book or something and and i actually want to try something different that still exists and i'll still have that link on there but what i'm I'm going to make this super easy because a lot of people don't want to they, they get sent to patreon now that do you have to sign in do i have to have an account i'm just going to have a qr code to venmo and if you want just, it can be one time it's no big deal You know what? And if you don't want to contribute at all monetarily, that's fine because it's a podcast. That's one of the cool things about podcasts is it's free. But if you want to chip in, you can go to scottish-clans.com forward slash team. And I should have a QR code by the time I publish this on there. You can just scan that and and contribute whatever you feel like uh, you would be appropriate. Uh, But I hope whether you do contribute or not, I hope that this podcast is providing value for you all, and, and I do appreciate you taking the time just to listen. Well, let's talk about the Battle of Park or Blarna Parca. Um, I'm going to read this from this, this source I told you about. Now, it's a PDF that I downloaded, and once again, I will include this link to, to where you can download the PDF if you'd like it. I'll include that link in the, in the show notes. So let's get back to this story, and I'm going to read straight from this, this source, okay? Now, we're going to be focusing on a member of the Clan Macrae called Duncan Moore, or Dunica Moore Natua. Dun- Big Duncan of the Battle Axe, or Great Duncan of the Battle Axe. What a cool name, and I didn't find this in any of the other accounts. I tried to go as broad as I could learning about this battle. And it's just in this source that this instance and the role that Dona played. And I'm going to read it to you that because I thought it was really cool. And that's part of the cool thing about this podcast is the stories. So here it goes. And I'll, and I'll talk about a few things, a few details worth noting after I get done with this. Quote, Duncan, who was the most noted of Christopher's sons, is known in the traditions of Kintail as Dunachamor Nathua, Big Duncan of the battle axe. He was a man of great valor and personal strength, and many legends have been preserved, of the brave deeds he performed in the contests of the Mackenzies and the McCrays with their common enemies. He greatly distinguished himself with his battle axe at the Battle of Park, which was fought at Strathpeffer. Between the Macdonalds and the Mackenzies, shortly before the death of Alexander Ianric, which took place in 1488, the circumstances which led to this famous fight were the following: Conachavlar, or Kenneth of the Battle, the son and heir of Alexander Ianric, had married Margaret, daughter of John Macdonald of Isla, who laid claim to the lordship of the Isles and the earldom of Ross. One Christmas Eve, Kenneth was insulted by Alistair MacDonald, or Alexandra MacDonald of Lachalche, the nephew and heir of John of Isla. In revenge for the insult, Kenneth sent his wife back to her father. The lady, who was blind and one eye, was sent away mounted on a one-eyed horse, attended by a one-eyed servant, and followed by a one-eyed dog. John of Isla and Alexandra of Halsh roused to fury by this outrageous insult mustered all of their followers to the number of more than 1,500 warriors and set out on an expedition to punish the Mackenzies. The Macdonalds, plundering and destroying as they went, directed their march to Kinellan in Strathpeffer, where the Baron of Kintel was then residing. They arrived at Conton one Sunday morning and burned the church together with the priest and a large congregation of aged men, women, and children who were worshiping in it at the time. Meanwhile, on the approach of the enemy, Kenneth and his two brothers, Duncan and Hector Roy, sent their aged father for safety to the Raven's Rock, a prominent and precipitous hill overhanging the Dingwall and Sky Railway between Strathpeffer and Garve. They then led their followers, who numbered only 600 men, against the McDonald's, and the battle was fought on the moor, which is still known as Blarnaparka, a well-known spot about a mile west of Strathpeffer Wells. The Mackenzie's were led by Kenneth himself, and Alex, Alexander of Loch Alsh seems to have acted as leader of the McDonald's, while their chief warrior was Lachlan McLean of Loch Bui, called Lachlan McHairlach, or Lachlan, son of Charle, Charles. Duncan Moore, who was one of the personal attendants of Kenneth, thinking that he had been somewhat slighted in the arrangements made for the battle, showed unmistakable signs of sulkiness. He was persuaded, however, by Hector Roy to take up a battle axe and join in the fight. With his battle axe, he did so much havoc that the McDonald's began to give way before him. Lachlan MacKerlach, seeing this, put himself in Duncan's way in order to check his murderous career. The two champions met in deadly combat. Lachlan, being a powerful man, clad in mail and well-trained in the use of arms, seemed at first to be having the best of the fight, but in an unguarded moment, he exposed himself to his opponent's battle axe, which at one deadly stroke severed his head from his body. The superior strategy of Kenneth was already telling severely against the much larger army of the enemy, and the Macdonalds, seeing their champion killed, gave up the struggle as lost and fled. Duncan Moore took a foremost part in the pursuit, which was continued on the following day as far as until most of the Macdonalds were either slain or taken prisoners. Both John of Islay and his nephew, Alexander of Loch were among the prisoners, but within six months they were both magnanimously released. This victory, to which Duncan Moore had so greatly contributed, put Kenneth in great respect throughout the North, and he was afterwards knighted by James IV for being highly instrumental in reducing his fierce countrymen to the blessings of a civilized life." All right, well, there it was. And so I hope you enjoyed that story. And there we have, that's the only source that I could find the account of Duncan Moore and Lachlan McCarloch of Loch Bui engaging in single combat and going back and forth and de- really deciding the, the course of the battle. Uh, I don't know where that was drawn from, if it was Macrae oral tradition or if there's an older source. Of course, these older... Um, accounts don't cite very well their sources, but just a couple of details maybe that I'll point out in in the telling of that story. It says this. This is a very common thing I see when I'm reading about conflicts between clans: is that one side pretty well wiped out the other one. This one says the McDonalds were either slain or taken prisoners. Fifteen hundred of them. That's a lot of people to either kill or take prisoners. It, Okay, so I've seen this in other places where that one side is almost wiped out. And the, and the example I'm going to give you is the McFarlane's. I, like I said, that's my, if you've heard any of my other episodes, you probably know that I have am descended. I have McFarland ancestry. And I've seen a, an account in there, that I believe it was the Battle of Stalk, where it says that the McFarlane's were on the losing side and were pretty well wiped out. Yeah, well then you see them not very much later. Maybe if if the fighting men of a whole clan were wiped out, it would be several generations before they were back up and going again. I I, I just don't I I usually take that as hyperbole. Because there are, and and it was not just the McFarlands, I've seen this in other accounts too, where they claim that they were wiped out in a certain battle, and then you have another battle just maybe one generation later where they were up and alive and well with fighting men. Now when we see clans, a clan chief, gather up men and take them on any given conflict, we got to assume that that's a portion of those he has available and not every single guy that he can command to swing a sword. That's one note. So whenever you see that, you're reading that about one clan in a battle nearly wipes out another one, take that with a grain of salt, hyperbole. Another detail is it says that John of Isla was actually, he came to this battle. I couldn't find that detail in any other account. I myself don't actually believe that John of Isla was personally there. I do believe that it was his, I think it said his nephew, Alistair of La who was leading the MacDonald forces. Now, one detail in here, the dates on this, the, I mentioned at the beginning as I was quoting from the source that it said 1488, that it was sometime before that. 1485, which would match that, is one date. 1491 is another date that I have seen uh, for, for the date of this battle here. Well... That's significant, and I'm going to tell you the context, the historical context of why that's important. You see, the the Macdonalds of Isla, who held the title of Lords of the Isles, they also they, they fought a huge battle, the Battle of Harlaw, over who's going to get the earldom of Ross. They didn't get it that time, but later they would prevail and obtain that earldom, which would then in turn go away. The Battle of Harlaw was in 1411. I can't remember what year it was where they actually gained it, and I could probably look it up real quick, but it's not that important. They lose the earldom in 1477. So that happens just several years before this battle here possibly happened. But if it was somewhere between 1485 and 1491, that would be immediately before the Macdonalds of Isla lose the lordship of the Isles. And that was a significant event in this historical context. Upon losing the earldom of Ross in 1477, we do see the McDonald's going into that area, which Mackenzie Territory is in what is considered Ross Shire. And they, they go in there on several raids and stir up trouble. Now, Blar Parka wasn't... The biggest of those, the raid on Ross would happen in the, happen in the very near future after the uh, Barna Parka. And it was a much bigger expedition. It, it included not only different branches of the McDonald's, but it included the Camerons and Clan Manhattan as well, which taken all together, that is a significant military force. Anyway, just a, another detail. I hope you enjoyed that story. I, I don't know what interest you have in the McRae's, if there's if you actually descended and have that, that ancestry, maybe even had that last name, or it's just a cool story. I don't have any personal connection to it, but I found this, read it, and thought it was awesome. So I hope you liked it too. Like I said, <coughs> excuse me, like I said, if you uh, have any desire to contribute to the cause, feel free to go to Scottish clans.com forward slash team where you can uh, buy me a drink, a book, whatever you, you think would be the most impor- appropriate, or don't. You know what else would be cool, and it doesn't cost you a dime, is to rate and review to give this podcast a rate and review on Apple podcasts. Uh, There's other platforms allow you to do something similar to that. And what that does is that allows this content to get to more people. So it's not, it's not me that you're personally benefiting with that review and the rating. It's, it just, it's the other people who are interested in the same thing as you. It, It puts that out there a little bit better. So yeah, I'd encourage you to do that and if you like i said if you w- with that contribution i'm going to i'm going to make this for those of you i'm gonna, i'm going to give a little reward here for those of you who stayed this long into the podcast and haven't already turned it off and maybe that was just simply cuz you're too busy and you had it in your ear but in your ear but either way to show my appreciation any contributions even if it's just a one time contribution over $20 you will get a a uh, your, if you want to make a suggestion of what of a clan to cover or something you want to hear more about you'll get a fast track to the top of the list now I will say that with a little bit of a caveat some people want to hear about their clan and it turns out that that surname wasn't an actual Scottish clan (laughs) so I can't pull rabbits out of hats that weren't there already but you go to the top of the list and that's what I can promise you and if I decide that that is whatever your request is doesn't, doesn't work I will continue communication with you until you get something that you want. It's as far as content that I'm putting out. If you have an, a contribution of $20 or more, you'll go right to the top of the list. And I want to thank my Patreon people who are already contributing on a reoccurring basis. I, I appreciate you. I'll give you a by name shout out here in the near, near future. But I just want to tell everybody listening to this how much I appreciate you and how much I value interacting with you all. And until next time, Marushan Lev and